Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Fired again. A goal Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. With all the surprise of a Montpellier goal blitz, the power of a Terra Moffi counter-attack, the certainty of a Neymar penalty, the feel-good factor of a teenage Wilson Oderbear goal, and the beauty of a Yusuf Yazici volley, hello and welcome to the latest episode of Le Beau Jeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast. I'm your jet-lagged host, Robbie Thompson, and I must apologise on that note for the delay in recording and publishing of this week's pod the time difference just proved all too much. And hence, a very big thank you to the rest of Le Bourgeois team for accommodating me, and especially Angus Turod and Luke Entwistle for joining on today's pod, as well as resident pod techie Stephen, all three rearranging their schedules and ensuring that you, our much-appreciated listeners, can get your fix of all things Ligue 1. Angus Turod. How are you this morning and how was your league on weekend? Well, I have to say I woke up in a panic yesterday morning because it was 9.10 and I suddenly went, oh my God, the pod. And then I said, oh no, it's all right. It's not today. So I'm actually very relieved and very grateful for the amount of sleep that I've had too since uh, Sunday night. Sleep is a wonderful thing and there are advantages in not doing it the very next morning. You can actually take a step back from the action and have a look at all the highlights and and even read a couple of articles and find out what what was what and what other people think as well. Luke, for you, there were a couple of huge matches involving Mediterranean coast clubs. We'll get a look at all that shortly. But how was your weekend? A bit of travel involved and a and an exciting derby as well. Yeah, I kind of uh, made a feint up to Paris to to give people the illusion I'd be at the uh, the match at the Parc des Princes, and then quickly went back down to the Riviera for the uh, Nice Marseille match, which. Uh, was an interesting derby. Fantastic. Don't forget, you the listeners, to spread the word, share the pod, rate it, leave a comment, and let us know what you'd like to hear more of or less, as the case may be. Write to us at Podcast at gmail.com or get on Twitter at Podcast as well. That's Le Beau Jeu. First up, let's start. We left PSG late last week. Let's go straight to the French capital then with Monaco versus PSG. And Luke, you, you were almost there for the game then, but after a 4-1 loss to Lens the previous week, I don't think many were expecting Monaco to put up such resistance against a hitherto rampant PSG. Were you expecting that kind of performance from the, the principality side? I mean, so much as you can call a team like Monaco, because you know PSG's closest challenger, a Bowie team, uh, PSG have really, really struggled against them in recent times. But after last week's showing against Lons, as you say, um, you couldn't have expected too much. But right from the first minute, you could see it was a completely different side to the one that lost 4-1 last weekend. It was just the intensity of the pressing that was uh, quite remarkable straight away. Uh, intensity in all phases of play, defensive, offensive as well. Uh, and I think they were good value for the draw. Obviously, uh, PSG had, had their missed chances, but I think uh, a draw was a relatively fair result on on reflection. And um, 
Yeah, it, it kind of relaunches their season a little bit because they started with a draw, a loss, a win. Um, a draw against PSG will give some much-needed confidence going into a, an easy match, you'd think, against Croix uh, midweek. But then after that, you've got Lyon and Nice. I think if they'd come out of that being hammered like PSG have done to most sides already this season, I think you would have worried for them going into that run of games. And you, you could have seen a bit of a repeat of last year where um, you're 10 games in and, and they're way off the pace. Um, so I think that was a much needed win. It was a, a completely different side, but but a much needed um, much needed performance. It was, and 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 it was like a win for them, wasn't it? After after the season they've had, just a little note on, and Luke mentioned it. I saw a stat about the fact that Monaco have done better than any other side against PSG under the QSA QSI reign of of PSG. But but more than that, historically, Paris Saint Germain. I think they went something like twenty years without winning away in Monaco. They're the only side that Paris Saint-Germain have lost to more than they've won over, over the history of, of 50 years in the top flight as well. They are, they are more than just a bogey team. They are, they are the side that Paris have struggled to beat in their entire existence. So, so it is a curious one that that sort of thing can still exist, that sort of bogey team can still exist. Angus, you've followed Monaco closely over the last couple of seasons as well. I think that that point, as Luke said, is crucial because after what happened last year, this could have been the unravelling once again of an entire season and they showed that they've got a little bit of backbone. They did, yes. Um, I'm a little disappointed in Monaco, I have to say, because when you consider they've such a good record against Paris Saint-Germain in recent years, I'm beginning to wonder now whether or not with all of that talent they have in their squads, they... they, they, they find it really hard to motivate themselves for some bizarre reason when they're playing against other teams that they really should be beating. Because if you can do something like that against Paris Saint-Germain, against a team that has got Messi and Bappe and Neymar all firing on all cylinders, as we've seen in this opening part of the season. I mean, Badiashi and uh, Axel de Sassi, immense at the back. Yusuf Fofana, superb in midfield. They really missed him when he went out. And he's really got the responsibility with Aurelien Schuermanni no longer there. But of course, Mohamed Kamara came in and had a splendid game as well. They always have the talent on the pitch, but for some reason, they find it hard, despite the fact that they really get up for the games against Paris Saint-Germain, to do it against the other sides. And that's a problem for them. And they need to find it. And I don't know whether it's because they have a small ground. The ground is very rarely full, so there's very rarely a really good atmosphere inside the Stade louis Deux. But there's something going on there, and it's, it's a strange one. And even Kevin Volland, Kevin Volland scored four times now against them since he arrived two seasons ago. No one else has scored more against Paris Saint-Germain than him. Their game seems to suit him. I don't know whether it's because he likes the fact that they, they're not very mobile in the middle of the park at the back, and he takes full advantage of that. But I don't know. It, uh, Monaco are beginning to annoy me. <laughs> well, it was, it was a superb goal from Kevin Volland, the, the German who unfortunately was injured, and I think it was by Sergio Ramos as he kicked the ball. It was his left foot or left ankle that, that picked up a knock. It was Ramos that was keeping him onside as he, as, he, as he broke through as well. He sprung the offside trap. It was a superb finish. I'm a, I'm a big Kevin Follon fan. I'm a fan of several Monaco players as well. Um, so he put Monaco ahead in the 20th minute. They did have chances. Wissam Benyetta, they had a couple of good chances at the start of the second half, and Benyetta just couldn't steer one into a 
more or less an empty goal, even if it was from 35 yards out after after Donnarumma had come for one. In the end, it was Neymar who was fouled in the box um, by Maripan, who picked himself up, got the nod from Kylian Mbappe to take the penalty himself. And as Neymar always does, it's, it's the most remarkable penalty technique in world football. He just waits and waits. And, and he doesn't only nearly always score. I remember he missed one last season when he put it, put it wide of the post. But he makes the goalkeepers look stupid as well because they just don't know what to do. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful technique. So always good for a laugh as well. Neymar equalising in the 70th minute. Messi hit the post. Mbappe hit the post. It could have really gone either way. I don't think you can be too disappointed with a draw, though, if you're a, if you're a PSG fan or a Monaco fan. Luke, Angus mentioned it. Mo Camera. There was that was if anything after finishing the season with nine straight wins and and being expected to go on with things. The one big question mark in this side was how are you going to replace Chuameni? What's going to happen in that midfield? What does it change? And he has he has been awesome since coming in. Yeah, I mean you got to caveat. I mean he wasn't hardly expected to start, was he against Paris? No. No, no, certainly not. I mean, he's come off the back of no games since I believe it's June. So in terms of match fitness, he, he's really not there at all. And when uh, there was the introduction press conference, he said, yeah, it's, it's going to be a few weeks until he's up to up to speed. I think he's just kind of been thrown into the deep end a little bit, but been a little bit sink and swim and, and luckily he swam. But he has looked really, really strong. He's a slightly different profile to too many, but um, he really nicely compliments Fafana, who has really stepped up, uh, I think, towards the end of last season as well. But especially since uh, Chumeni's left, he's really stepped up. And Kamara's great. I mean, he's, he's a bit of a leadership on uh, presence kind of on the pitch as well. And um, yeah, he's uh, for, you know, a diminutive little player. He's, he has a, a bit of a big voice as well. He's really uh, going at the, the, the PSG players really having a, a proper go at them. He really took the fight to them and he kind of uh, had the, a bit of the spirit uh, that you kind of need in those big games at uh, the Parc de Prince. Uh, so I, I think it looks really positive for him because I, I only see uh, kind of an upwards trajectory for him uh, as he gains more and more match fitness because he, he still can't complete to 90. Um, I think he'll really go from strength to strength and I, I think he'll prove to be a very shrewd buy for, I think it's only 15 million, but it's someone who... Uh, was before uh, joining Monaco, was linked to many, many European sides, many Premier League sides. Um, and I think it could work out quite nicely. I think they've, uh, they've done well there. I remember seeing Fofana last season get dragged by Kovac in the first half of a match for just not holding his position and not having the discipline needed of a player playing in a big club in such an important role in the centre of midfield, and Kovac didn't accept it, but it's fantastic to see because we've all known for years and years that he's that he's a player with immense quality, and and one, one, if anything, should have been performing better in the in the last two seasons at Monaco. One caveat that though in uh, Robbie is that uh, he he did get sent off once uh, this season, so I feel he, he's feeling the responsibility more, and perhaps he's got to learn to sort of trust his um, defensive partner. I think, but if, until he knows who that's going to be on a regular basis. He's probably feeling the responsibility of knowing that all eyes are on him in that midfield now. That's right. That's that's for sure. And and some players they they benefit from from having that responsibility and that extra pressure put on them as well. We are going to chat about Marseille and their big players as well in their derby game against Nice. But another huge match over the weekend um, was one that we were all eagerly looking forward to, but probably 
failed to deliver for much of the contest, certainly in the first half, until a certain Seco Fafana uh, scored another trademark wonder strike. That was Lens defeating Rennes. A fantastic atmosphere, as is so often the case up there with Les Chetis in the in the north of France. This this mining town of Lens that has this huge stadium of nearly forty thousand just outside the city. That's always packed. Always a fantastic atmosphere. It's one of those those real hotbeds for French football. Um, Rennes is a little bit of a hotbed as well. And this was a, a match between two sides that are sort of outsiders for maybe certainly for European football, maybe for Champions League football, certainly contenders for European football every season these days. Angus, what did you make of this one? In the end, Lens too strong for Rennes. Rennes maybe with more quality on paper, I think, in terms of individual players on the pitch, but Lens with Fofana, who is, you know, has can stake a claim for being one of the best players in Ligue 1 this season. But they have that spirit and they have an excellent coach as well in Franquez. I think you could probably claim that he's one of the best players in Liga over the last few seasons, um, when they, since, certainly since they came back up again, because they, they have had a great start in all three seasons now since they came up. They were in the Champions League places at this point last season as well before gradually going down, because, I mean, you have to say they don't have the depth of squad that a lot of others have. But Seiko Fafana... It's amazing, I think, that he hasn't moved on because his his light shines so brightly that I'm he he could definitely play in a bigger club, if you like. I mean, a bigger club in terms of world renown. I mean, you could Lance will argue that they have got one of the best clubs in France, and they're not wrong. Um, the the they they tend to suffocate teams sometimes. We saw that in the first half uh, in this game. Then, of course, um, Pafana scored. He's only scored twice from outside the area, which is interesting because I agree with you. I have this image in my head that he's always striking them in from all over the place. But some of the times you see him as well go on runs into the box and then finish off great uh, moves as well. But his driving runs really drive that team. He's one of those players that if Lance didn't have him, it would be difficult to imagine that they would be able to have such a punch as they, they do at the moment. He's fantastic. Lons are fantastic. Love watching them. The Stade Ballet rocks every time it's full. And these days it is. Now they've had all these stands built and uh, they're back in the top flight. I'm loving watching them. Fantastic. It is, it is always good to see uh, to see the, the sides with a fantastic atmosphere. And, and they, they have, I like the way they have that, that swashbuckling style of play, you know, with players that can just pick up the ball and run. They had Jonathan Close last season as well. He's, he's moved on. A word on that because, yes, Seiko Fofana is still there. He was linked to Paris Saint-Germain earlier in, in the transfer window as well. And, of course, we're recording this on Tuesday evening if you're in Australia, very early Tuesday morning if you're, if you're in Europe and there's still two days left or a day and a half left in the transfer window as well. So, so or is it 48 hours, more or less, to see... Uh, what can change, and if and if Lance can hold on to all these players, same goes for Ren because there's talk of of Gate and Laborde as well, who who got the in the end a consolation goal, but plenty of talk that that could have been his last match for for Ren as well. He was strongly linked to English football uh, last season. He came to he stayed. He's 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 with Ren, but he's a player that has the quality to move on as well. There were three goals in that game. Thirty three goals scored over the weekend. And amazingly, seven of them scored by Montpellier. Now, that's something I never thought I would say, even if 
I will say I, I suspected Montpellier could be something of a dark horse. It's a big result for them. It's turning into something of a little derby match between Montpellier and Brest, who, of course, two seasons ago exchanged coaches. Uh, Luke, I'm not sure if, if many people would have caught this game. Certainly on paper, it wasn't one that was was going to catch the eye. But but Montpellier do have a couple of handy players. And Eli Wai, the youngster, who's in his third season now in, in the top flight, is just going from strength to strength. Luke, what... What can you tell us about Montpellier? Uh, I mean, I was watching that match more for Brest because I'm not sure if you remember, but my surprise pick, unfortunately... Uh, it was, yes. It was Brest. Uh, <laughs> so that's proven me uh, yeah, a little bit wrong straight away. But um, yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of El Uwahi. Um I heard that um, clubs were interested in him, but they were asking for a lot of money, and, and rightly so, because he's really leading that front line this year. Um, I think they... I'm not sure if they can necessarily get into those European places, but they can certainly challenge for them. And there's a lot of experience, you know, with this Wahi up front, but behind them, you, you've got Kazrin, you've got Nodan. You know, these are players who have, have been around for a little bit. So there's a lot of nous in this, in this team. And I, I think they could launch, uh, you know, they should finish top half quite comfortably. Whether or not they make it to those European spaces is another thing. But um, yeah, I think Wahi's another one of those players, uh, another great youth prospect to, to keep your eye on throughout the season in Liga. It's it's one of those clubs that that seem to be able to perform for for a few weeks. They can go on a run of like four or five wins, even jump up the table towards sixth or seventh, and people start talking about them, the eyes on them, and then and then all of a sudden it just stops, like they hit literally hit a brick wall and and disappear. And sometimes Montpellier can be such a yo-yo side within a season. You're listening. To Luke Entwistle, Angus Tarod, our, our Ligue 1 experts this week on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Get in contact with us. Uh, agree or disagree with what they're saying on Twitter. You can get on at, at Ligue 1 podcast on Twitter, Le Bourgeois, or email us at Ligue 1 podcast at gmail.com. It's time for our weekly competition, which uh, is still a weekly competition, but with a monthly prize. And we have a Ligue 1 shirt up for grabs. Now, this has been a big month of August, five pods. It's a, a monthly competition. So so here is the final installment of the August Le Beaujeu Deja Who shirt winning competition. You have to guess who I am talking about. And there is a bonus question at the end of the month, which you have to answer to go into the draw to win a shirt. Here we go. Who am I? And this is also for Luke and Angus. Oh, and a little word as well. Don't answer on the Twitter account because we have had a couple of answers. We don't want to give it away, of course. If you want to go into the draw, into the competition, send us the email and uh, keep the Twitter account. You can put in a couple of red herrings perhaps or discuss it. But if you know the answer, don't throw it out there. So deja vu for the last one of this first month of the year. In my early 20s, I drifted in between professional and amateur football before a move to France and three years of Ligue 1 football established my name as a solid midfielder and earned me a move back to my homeland where I won the league and three cups as well as earning at 28 years of age a first international cap and a call-up to the Euros. At the end of my playing career, I moved into coaching where my modern attacking style has won a lot of fans, if not yet silverware. I've coached some of Europe's biggest clubs in four different countries, including France. 
who am I? And bonus question to go into the draw to win an Arcadia's Millic Olympic de Marseille shirt from this season because, yes, as we speak, Millic is still an Olympic de Marseille player. So get in that shirt and get it early. It could even be a, 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 a collector's item, perhaps, because he hasn't, he hasn't played too many minutes in it as of yet. So who am I and what do I have in common with the other four August Deja Who answers? Now, a lot of people have managed to, to get the Deja Who questions. We'll be revealing all next week. So I won't give you any any answers to who it has been so far, but this is a, a tricky one, and I think it could be a a nice surprise as well, the answer of this one. Any ideas, gentlemen, Angus? Robbie, we talked two hours ago, and you hadn't actually thought about what you were going to do for Deja Vu, and you've come up with that in two hours. <laughs> what on earth are you like? Honestly, <laughs> that is really, really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Uh, hey, I, I did. I, I hadn't. I hadn't written it, but I did have a couple of options, oh, and I was right. actually until about an hour ago going with somebody else. But I switched <laughs> it to this one just because I think it's 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 curious, and I'm and I wonder if anyone will um will get it because I can appreciate that it's that it's not easy. But also, if you've gone through the the pod since the start of the year, there is a common link between uh, all the answers, Luke. You're only a youngster. Uh, these historical ones must be a, a, a right thorn in your side. Any ideas? Um, no. <laughs> no, honestly, every, every time <laughs> I feel as though I'm there on about three clues and then it just drifts away from me and it's so painful every time. So uh, maybe next week. That's what I say basically every week. <laughs> well, next week, next week we'll be going with a new theme. Maybe I'll go for, for something a little easier. This was a historical month of August, I, I must admit. If you know the answer. Send us the email with the answer to the who am I and also what do I have in common with the other four Deja Who's winners of August. Send it to leagueunpodcast at gmail.com and you could be in for a nice surprise. Speaking of surprises, Regis Lebris. Who knew too much about Regis Lebris and do our listeners even know who he is to this moment? Because He's the new coach of Lorient FC, one of five undefeated sides in Ligue 1 this season. They have two wins and a draw. Last season, Angus, they only just survived the drop. Regis Lebris came in. He, he's been there for a decade, coaching the under-17s and then the reserves at Lorient. He's clearly done enough to impress Loic Ferry, the, the president and owner of, of FC Lorient. And here he is taking the team and they're playing their, their counter-attacking style, their fearless style. They traditionally have a great home record. They did the business again at home. They have a game in hand against Lyon, which will now be played next Wednesday on the 7th of September at Champions League night. Uh, get in early, that kickoff 7pm French time, so before most of the Champions League action. So you can watch Lorient versus Lyon, the uh, rescheduled match day two clash. But Angus, Lorient. Nobody, I don't think, was expecting Lorient to, to impress so much. They held on to Terra Moffi, who's, who's their gun player up front. He got a double at the weekend. They have a free, free kick specialist in Loriente as well. Um, is this just a flash in the pan or can we expect something of Lorient this season? Oh, well, they still have Loriente at the moment, uh, but of course we have two days to go until and the end do. of the transfer window. And he's window. still scoring free kicks. Yeah, he's still scoring <laughs> free kicks. Really good ones as well. Yeah, Regis 
Labrie, you're absolutely back up to Christophe uh, Pellessier and quite an act to follow as well, really, with Christophe Pellessier. I mean, I know they were in all sorts of trouble last season, but uh, he was a, a coach that enjoyed an awful lot of confidence from uh, the side. He'd been in there since 2019. Lorient were never going to be a team, really, we thought, to do anything other than ensure safety. But this season, I mean, Regis Labrie, is, I guess he knows the club, but even so, to have the best ever start to a Lorient coaching career for the first team is quite something. And they do it as well with good football. I mean, even when they're in trouble, they, 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 they don't just sort of back it up at the back. They do try and come forward. We saw this last time. Moffi at Loriente, they, they were always trying to come forward, always trying to win games rather than just draw them. They're a nice team to watch. They're another one of those smaller teams in France that seems to be everywhere. The, France is very much a country where you get lots of big teams in small towns and they're, they're very, very attractive to watch. Terry Moffi is another one where I'm not entirely certain how they've managed to keep hold of him because he's a fast, strong, technical, and there again, I, I'm, I want to reserve judgment on them because I want to see the transfer window end before I actually start to see where I think they're going to go. Because let's not forget, there are four teams being relegated this season, which means the whole of the bottom half of the table mm -hmm. are going to be in trouble right the way until the end. It's not going to be like we've had before. So nice to watch. That's right. Don't think yeah. it's going to last, but enjoying it whilst it is. Absolutely. It is going to be an absolutely fingernail biting run into for those all those sides sitting in the second half of the table, I think, as we head towards relegation doom and gloom because, as Angus says, four sides going down. The league will be reduced to 18 teams as of next season. There are still, so just a, a reminder then, Lorient, Lyon, those two sides, both matched on points with two wins and a draw each, uh, uh, will take each other on next Wednesday, the 7th of September at 7pm in their catch-up match. Five teams undefeated, that's two of them, but there are five without a win as well, including Strasbourg, Julien Stéphane's side, under pressure. They went down 1-0 to, to Auxerre, Perrin getting the only goal of the game. In other results over the weekend, Nantes came from behind to defeat Toulouse. Um, so Nantes continuing to show that they're a, a side with home form. Lorient's 2-1 win over Clermont was a great result for them. Trois got their first win after three consecutive defeats as well. They got up 3-1 over Angers, uh, including a first-ever goal for teenager Wilson Udebar, who I mentioned in the, in the intro. It was a, a simple goal, but he looks a very talented footballer as well. They, they had Ronnie Lopez in the side, um, who's just arrived back in French football yet again. Uh, one other match before we chat about Olympic de Marseille versus Nice, where Luke Entwistle was our man at the ground. We'll have a chat to Angus about Olympic Lyonnais because he was commentating this one for the world feed against Reims. They left it late, Lyon. They stay undefeated, but uh, Reims are a side who are still, for them, without a win and sitting in, the, in those relegation spots. But, but they showed plenty until that sending off that really just allowed Olympic Lyonnais back into the game, didn't they? Yes, so they, they certainly did. In the first half, they... It was weird, actually, because Leon started off the better. They had a couple of chances. Rance rode their luck. And they really had to work hard to get into the game. But once they did, Junior Ito started to be a real thorn in the, uh, the side of the back um, players. And it was he that scored. 
And it was a little bit worrying, I thought, from a, a Leon point of view, that he managed to get in between of uh, Lukeba and Thiago Mendes, who was playing at the back, of course, a former Leon defensive midfielder. Um, and he's not the tallest guy, but it was a really lovely leap, great header straight over the top of the goalkeeper. And then they were holding on. Then, of course, the red card. But Leon, I never really felt properly took advantage. They had my far the more possession. They were camped around the box. But it, it wasn't until uh, Moussa Dembele um, came on. I mean, he's, he's missed the, the opening games of the season. And, of course, Alexandre Lacazette has come in, which has put his point under threat. Although Peter Bosch does say that he, see, he foresees a time when they'll both be on the pitch together. And I think that's good because they complement each other with their different ways of playing. But we saw Leon here uh, that was restricted. They'd been all free-flowing, going four goals in their opening two games. But I think everybody was going on about how they had had two weeks after the uh, postponement of the Lorient game to really get ready for this game. I think it went the other way. I think they came off the boil and that was a problem. Yeah, absolutely. But they, there, there were some great headed goals and it was a, a fantastic first goal of the season for Moussa Dembele. There's all... There's always so much talk about Moussa Dembele at the start of each season as well, and people don't don't seem to rate him. It's a it's a thing almost to do with Leon as well. They they have boo boys in their crowd that get on players' backs as well, and that we see it at, at big clubs when a player doesn't perform or they don't think that they have the don't know what it is whether they're technically good enough or whether they they show enough respect to the shirt or something that the the fans just don't like them. But Moussa Dembele ended up wearing the captain's armband again last season. He's a fantastic footballer. I think he's he's cut his teeth away from French football at Celtic, returned. He's a he's a fantastic goal scorer. He's good in the air. Angus, what's going on with Moussa Dembele? Well, I, I think he's a little bit unlucky, to be quite honest with you, because he consistently scores. I mean, he's now scored in his last eight games in Liga. You know, he had a fantastic finish to the last season. Uh, and it certainly helped Leon recover from what was a pretty appalling season for them. But I don't know, maybe he's just not sexy enough or something like that because everybody always talks about others. Um, Leon's problem are going to be with Lucas Paqueta looking likely to now leave. They need some creativity to be able to put that ball onto his head. Yeah, he does have a, a strange stare in his eyes most of the time. Uh, Moussa Dembele, perhaps that's got something to do with it. a little bit off-putting. Um, there were some great goals. Renault Ripar scored a fantastic headed goal as well, for, as well as Ito against, against Leon. For, for Rouse, it was a wonderful header, but Renault Ripa's header is a thing of absolute beauty, a majestic header from almost an impossible angle. It had to be perfect, and it was. Go and check that out on the, on the official Ligue 1 YouTube channel where you can catch all the action as of uh, midnight on a Sunday night or a Monday morning when you wake up. There was also a wonderful goal by Yusuf Yazici for Lille, opened the scoring away to Ajaxio. A 3-1 win for Lille. It was 3-0 midway through the second half. And I think for the first time this season, Ajaxio's fears were sort of warranted for their future because they've been in and about in the mix in most of their games. They're still without a win, but they're, they've been looking like they're ready to mix it. In this one, they were just outplayed by a Lille side bouncing back after conceding seven against Paris Saint-Germain. Moving on, though, to our final game that we're going to chat about uh, this week, and we'll head to Luke down on the south coast. The derby match between Nice and Marseille last weekend. We weren't sure what to expect from Marseille. We were thinking we'd see a bit more from Nice with Lucien Favre returning. In the end, Marseille are sitting level, top of the table, undefeated. 
They've brought in some new players, and one of them got a double, Alexis Sanchez, the Chilean, with, with two goals, a fantastic first finish, a 3-0 win over Nice. Luke, Nice are in all sorts of trouble, but first, let's chat Marseille, because Tudor, in the end, is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, he certainly is. Um, Sanchez has surprised me. That's actually maybe a, a better piece of business than I first gave him credit for. But um, And honestly, it, it is Tudor and, and his tactical setup, the way that he's setting up the side that is really getting the most out of the players. Um, apart from Mendes and Hakimi at PSG, uh, Tavares and, and Close on either side are really giving them width. Um, and it's causing every team they've played so far a, a lot of problems. Um, and yeah, Tavares and Klaus both look like brilliant signings as well. And the way that they interchange with Payet, who made the, his return to the starting lineup for the first time this season as well, the way that they interchange with Payet and, and Sanchez, who actually worked really, really well together as well up front, um, I think is, is a lot of um, lots of promising signs. And it feels very, very coherent for Marseille. Um, so I, I initially had them at the start of the season as a side potentially struggling to to make Europe and, and to continue their great momentum from last season where, where they, obviously, they finished second and deservedly so. Um, but I'm very impressed on a, on a tactical level um, with how his side are currently set up. And I, I think on the day they're going to give absolutely every side in the division and potentially in, in the Champions League as well. They're going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah, they've also got Jordan Veritu, the former Nantman, who's returned after a few seasons in Italy. Perhaps that as well. Tudor knew he needed a an Italian-style midfielder. Alexis Sanchez has also come from Italy. Perhaps it's it's giving that Marseille passion a little a little bit of that steely Italian professionalism. On the other side of the coin, Angus Nice. They've they've just brought in Nicola Pepe there, who who was in the side right away. They've brought in lots of players. They've got Schmeichel in goal. Uh, they've just brought in Sofiane Diop. They had Becker Becker, the former Colm player who's been in, in Russia. Andy Delors still there. Aaron Ramsey's come in. There have been plenty of movements and for the moment, things just, just aren't gelling for them. I don't think it's easy for the next coach after Christophe Galtier, wherever he's been, to come in. We saw it with Lille. Um, we saw it as well to an extent with Saint-Étienne. Uh, and now it's happening at Nice. Um, it's not easy. And even though they brought in Lucien Favre, of course, who knows Nice because he's been there before, it's uh, it has been tough for them. They they look like one of the teams at the moment that has taken a little bit of a step backwards from what they did last season, where they almost managed to really push up into the Champions League places, but then just ran out of steam as even the magic of Christophe Galtier seemed to wear off a little bit. Nicolas Pepe is an interesting one. Um, I, I'm not surprised because he's struggled to really settle at Arsenal, um, despite what he did at Lille. And maybe we'll see him get back to that sort of form. But um, it is difficult. And I, up against Marseille, that was never going to be easy. They started off against Toulouse, which they would have been very disappointed not to get something out of. And then up against Strasbourg, who have not proved to be that great this season either. So... Two points after four games is nowhere near what they would have been aiming for. But I think it's one of those cases where the new man coming in, in this case Favre, is going to need some time to be able to get the team playing the way he wants them to. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really, a very yes, good point about uh, they still seem very, very set up in the very Galtier style of play. I mean, obviously they, they let goals in for fun in that first half, but it does feel like 
there's a not not a lot of creativity in that midfield and it's very much designed to block the opposition rather than to do anything progressive. Uh, I thought Ramsey actually looked quite positive having come on at half time. He gave them a little bit of ball progression through the start, but overall throughout the whole match, I thought that Nice looked pretty flat. And it must be noted as well that it, it felt that way in the stadium as well in the stands because uh, Marseille were Marseille fans, I should say, weren't able to make the trip to the Allianz Riviera. And then the ultras, which are usually right next to the pitch, uh, were tucked away in, in the highest tier because of uh, those chants in the non match uh, from last season. So uh, it was a derby in name, but in atmosphere and, and in terms of the event itself, it, it didn't really feel like one. And um, yeah, I think Farah's got a lot of work and he, he needs time to, to do that work to, to really mold this side in his image because it, it definitely feels like a side that's still very much molded in, in Galtier's image. I think both Angus and Luke are making lots of good points on this podcast. Join the conversation and get involved in your like. First one, well, Luke, on your, your mention of the atmosphere inside the stadium, we're seeing it again that away fans are just not being encouraged to travel to, to games in France. It is it is a difficult one. There's a, there's a what they call an arrêt préfectorial. Um, which sort of prevents movement of football fans around the country. There's one in Toulouse tomorrow night um, for the Paris Saint-Germain fans. You're not allowed to show up in Toulouse wearing any colours of, of a football shirt. Um, it's such a shame because the atmosphere when you get travelling support is so good as well. And, and, and when you look back historically at the, the great rivalries, half of them come because you have Marseille fans travelling to Nice. We see Nice fans when they travel to Monaco on their scooters uh, and 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 walk along the the coast to get to the ground. I mean, fans and rivalries are what make football what it is. Um, and for the moment, France and there there were a lot of issues last season, particularly at the start of the season inside the stadiums as well. Plenty of trouble, which which can't be condoned and has to be dealt with. But but French football certainly needs to find a solution to get fans back into the stadiums and and enjoying their football. Angus, an interesting point you made, which was how hard is, is it to, tra- to, to follow in the footsteps of Christophe Galtier? It reminds me of, of something we used to say about Rudy Garcia as well, who's, who's the former Marseille and, and Lyon boss, and of course Lille and Le Mans, and Le Mans have disappeared from more or less the face of the earth these days, but down in the third division and trying to fight their way back up. But Lille as well went through a, a real dip after Rudy Garcia took them to the to the title as well and uh, hasn't been easy. So I wonder what it is. Maybe we should look into that, that what is it about certain coaches that leave teams struggling, whether whether it's physically, whether it's tactically, whether it's whether it's psychologically, the sides, the sides seem to struggle. Certainly, Galtier is doing the job with Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. They lead the standings on goal difference. They have plus 14, having been held for the first time this season in, in their four matches. 18 goals scored, four against. Marseille are second on 10 points, as are Lens in third. Lyon and Lorient are both undefeated in fourth and fifth, three points further back. Then you have the likes of Lille, promoted Auxerre, Montpellier, free scoring Montpellier, who have a positive goal difference for the first time in an age, courtesy of that. That seven-goal haul, Clermont have have dropped points, but uh, are still there uh, or thereabouts with uh, another defeat at the weekend. Toulouse, Nantes, Monaco, 
uh, looking to bounce back after that draw with Paris. They're in 12th, Rennes in 13th, so work to be done for those big guns that we were expecting to be up uh, near the uh, near the those European spots. They're on five and four points, Monaco and Rennes, so already that's five, six points behind the leaders. Nice are down in 18th with just two points to show from their four games so far, and uh, pulling up the rear with three defeats and just one point to show for their return to the top flight are the Corsican side, Ajaxio. Let's look ahead then. Midweek football. We've got it coming up uh, tomorrow night in France. Wednesday evening, a full round of matches, 7pm and 9pm kickoffs. And uh, Angus, are Toulouse going to feel the brunt of a, of a Paris Saint-Germain rebound after being held for the first time this season? How do you see that one going? Are there any other games that catch your eye in a, in a midweek round? Well, I, I think that uh, the, the one that uh, I like the look of uh, the, the most is um, Lille against Nice because um, Lille have just bounced back from um, a rather iffy start to the season. Nice definitely need to. Um, I think that Paris Saint-Germain are going to hammer Toulouse to answer your question. I can't see any way that that's not going to happen. I think that this new three um, men at the back, three at the front, is working really well for Paris Saint-Germain, and I think that um, Toulouse are going to be overwhelmed, despite the fact that Kylian Mbappe is on a bit of a, a bit of a gold drought at the moment. I think he hasn't scored in nine shots, which for him is an age. So, um, but yeah, I think Lille Nice is, is going to be a good one. The uh, Stade Pierre Mauroy is always a nice place to go, so uh, why not that? But they have Neymar scoring the goals, don't they? At and the moment, them up. what's that? Six, six goals assists. and six assists. Yeah, exactly. Incredible stats for Neymar. Yes, Killian, quite the quite the goal drought. Ninety minutes <laughs> without a goal, but he did get a hat trick the week before, didn't he? So we'll 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 let him off that one. Luke, what about you? Can Monaco build? We know they need to. We've spoken a lot about them. They take on a trois side who got their first win of the season. Where else are you looking? And what's your two cents on on Marseille, Clermont, and Nice away to Lille as well. Uh, so obviously, yeah, I'll be at the the Monaco Trois. Uh, need a three points ahead of two very very difficult matches against uh, Nice and then against Lyon. Uh, Lille Nice, I think, could be a really interesting one. Actually, I am actually going to back Lille to to take that one. Uh, nice, I think the the turnaround from that match against Marseille is, is too quick. Um, I'm not sure if mentally they'll they'll quite have have the the capacity to to bounce back after that difficult home defeat in, in a derby. And I quite like the look of Lille. I think, uh, at least offensively, it, it feels quite coherent and, and fun. So I'm a big fan of them, uh, at least going forward. And I think Marseille will have way too much for Clermont. Um, I can see that getting a little bit ugly, uh, actually, uh, at the Orange Velodrome. But we'll see. Maybe uh, Clermont will surprise me. But um, I'm not, not going to hold my breath on that one. Now, in between rounds... Five and six. We will have the end of the transfer window as well. We'll be talking about that next Monday on the podcast, all the a wrap up of the transfers, as well as looking ahead to European football, which returns next week. Paris Saint Germain at home to Juve next week in the Champions League, but lots of other French football action there as well. On the weekend, round six, then in what's a huge week of, of Ligue 1 football, Auxerre get us underway. No Friday night football this week because of the midweek round. So Saturday sees three games, Auxerre versus Marseille, Lyon versus Angers, and then Nantes versus Paris Saint-Germain. 
three of the big guns, perhaps four, perhaps five, Angus, if you're an Auxerre sympathiser <laughs> like you are. Nantes as well, the cup winners taking on Paris Saint-Germain in a, in a, in a repeat a rematch of the, the Trophée des Champions won by PSG at the start of the season. Um, other, elsewhere on the Sunday, so seven other matches, Montpellier will be looking to keep banging in the goals against Lille. We've got Strasbourg away to Brest, those two sides in need of points as well. Lorient will be looking for more points at Ajaccio. Uh, promoted Clermont, or not promoted this year, Clermont in their second ever Ligue 1 season, taking on promoted Toulouse. Lens looking to continue against Reims. Rennes looking to bounce back as well. They take on Troyes. And then the big one on the Sunday night, the, the Côte d'Azur derby, the Riviera derby between Nice and Monaco. That's a, a mouth-watering clash as well. We know where Luke will be this weekend. But we'll go to you first, Angus. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, well, I'm looking forward to Montpellier against Lille because that's the game I'm going to be commentating. I've just found it. So... <laughs> And I think that will be fascinating because I think it's two sides who are beginning to find their mojo. So I think that will be a very interesting um, tie, that one. I was going to say, by the way, the scooters will be out, won't they, for that uh, Nice-Monaco uh, uh, game? <laughs> be good. It's, one of, it's one of the amazing scenes of Ligue 1 football, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's fantastic to watch. And there's a, there's a tunnel they go through as well where they, they all get together and the, the, the march where they light flares walking through the tunnel just before they emerge at the at the Stade Louis Deux. It's fantastic scenes. Um, probably not good for your lungs if you're in the tunnel as a as a as a Nice fan, but it is brilliant to watch. And then they they create a whole lot of noise inside the Stade Louis Deux. Although this one's at Nice, mm-hmm. so uh, and I don't know if the Monaco fans do do the do the march, do they? It's a very long tram ride. <laughs> to get to, uh... <laughs> it's a very expensive taxi ride. <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously, I'll, I'll be at the Nice-Monaco match. Um, I'm expecting uh, something of a comeback from Nice. And then uh, the other one you mentioned, which is Nantes-PSG. Uh, I have a sneaky feeling that Nantes might give them a game, as Monaco did last weekend. Uh, Nantes at home, obviously, and they tend to play well at home. I think it'll be a good match. Well, let's hope. I think a lot of Ligue 1 neutrals, even, even us Paris Saint-Germain supporters, um, want it to be a competitive league, want to see Paris Saint-Germain pushed hard as well. It's good to see that there are three sides level at the top of the standings, and let's hope there is more to come. So midweek action, Wednesday night, then a full weekend round of matches, and then next week the pod will be back. Ian Holyman will be your host next Monday and European football returns as well for the league and clubs. For myself, Robbie Thompson, big thank you to Luke and Angus for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. And we will see you again soon to talk more league and football. All right, bye-bye, everyone. Bye. What a goal. Got him in. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Messi again, this time maybe Messi!